0: Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago.
1: Happy Easter out there! Tell of our listeners on the ESPN 1000 listening audience. Jeff meller Brian Hanley, back together again after a couple week hiatus. Brian, how's it going? Long time no talk, my man.
2: Uh, Jeff, I'm, uh, if I sound a little distracted this morning, it's mm-hmm. because I'm booking my Bulls playoff trips. So I've got Toronto, uh, you know, set, but I'm just right now going through hotels in possibly Atlanta or Miami. As you know me, uh, I'm all about uh, the excitement of NBA playoffs, and I wouldn't miss a minute of, of this uh, great play-in tournament. So
1: yeah, before we get there, yeah, you got to get to the uh, play-in tournament before we get to those playoffs. Yes, more yes. is
2: always better. I mean, you know, to me, you know, let's expand this. Uh, you know, everyone should get in. It's like the NCAA people said, everyone should be in the tournament. This, I mean, the excitement of this bull season is just—it's culminating into the to the next few weeks here. Or, or... Or not.
1: The next few days. Well... We'll see what happens on Wednesday as the Bulls, as you mentioned, you always have been a planner, Brian, and it's good to see you already have your Toronto uh, taking care of your Toronto trip, taking care of, of course, the Bulls will take on Toronto on Wednesday in the play-in tournament, so we'll see how that goes. I'm curious. I I don't even know how to. We're all, I think, you know, we're all first-timers at this as Bulls fans, so how exactly... Will this one play
2: out? How, <laughs> how, low how, is the bar, how low is the bar these days? I mean, good Lord. Yeah,
1: do you think, you know, la- last season it was Patrick Beverly, you know, uh, triumphantly leading the T-Wolves into the, into the playoffs, right?
2: Well, here you go. He's got um, so, opportunity. Yeah. yeah,
1: he's got an opportunity to uh, go ahead and rekindle the imagination of when Michael Jordan was standing on the, score- the scores table after <laughs> the Bulls had won ah, yet another ah, NBA ah, title. Maybe the Bulls can look at uh, a play-in win
2: You know, I I, I go back to, I think it was the second week of December. Uh, I was in South Bend watching Marquette uh, pound Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And I ran into an old NBA exec from my days covering the Bulls in the NBA for five or six seasons when I was at the Sun-Times. And I I guess he was there scouting. So before the game, we're just standing along the baseline, catching up. And I started asking about the Bulls at that point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no one knew, you know, what Lonzo Balls situation was going to turn out to be and obviously not good. But at the time he said to me, he said, okay, I get Lonzo Ball is, you know, important to them. He said, but this important? Now this is in December. Yes. And then he said, it just volunteered. And when your three best players are your three worst defensive players, he said, where are you going? So I mean that's how the league was looking at the Bulls, but at least one NBA exact. And it's just like, to get an outside view of our beloved, I can't tell you how disappointed I am in this front office. I mean, I just, the the excitement, the swinging for the Vooch deal where no one saw it coming to mm-hmm. you know, it just, they, they surprised everybody. And it was a big price to pay, but who cared? They were doing something and, you know, generating some excitement. And then going from the feel-good team, and I'm with the NBA exec. I know Lonzo Ball is important, but this important, I mean, what the heck is going on here? And, you know, I, I'll talk to Sylvie. I'm sure he's already up in Toronto. I'm putting, He's going to get tickets for us.
1: guy guys got but, a meet-up meet set, a little pregame action, maybe yeah. a post-game coverage here.
2: I mean, he, I mean he's, like, he, he's a, the biggest Bulls fan I know, right? Mm-hmm. And, and where are you going? And, I, 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 you know, Vooch, is he sticking around? He's not sticking around. He didn't trade him, obviously, when his stock wasn't going to be higher. They doubled down on continuity. You mentioned... Beverly showing up and, and injecting at least a little bit of interest and excitement because of his intensity. But really, is your core really a core? I mean, where, where the heck are you going in this league where you need superstars?
1: Yes, that is absolutely the question. And so they play their final game of the regular season today against the Pistons. And, of course, there is no interest in that game because all eyes are clearly focused on Wednesday's game against the Raptors, the first of the play-in game. They obviously need to win a couple to get into the playoffs here. But the interesting thing that occurred on Friday night happened here in Chicago. But, of course, it was everything surrounding the Dallas Mavericks and what they chose to do. Now, Luka Doncic played just a a minute more than that first quarter because basically he told the team that if there's something to play for, he wanted to play as long as he could. So they allowed him to start, but they did not allow him to actually play in that game. And basically every legitimate player around him was given the night off. And the Mavs phoned it in.
2: They chose to not... Make a play in, and they, they went into that game with the possibility of being number ten, right? Yes, they did. And 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 after making the Kyrie deal and everything, they they decided, no, no, draft prospects and uh that those assets are more important than you know defying the odds and and making your way through a couple playing games to get beat in the first round. So that was interesting because you know Mark Cuban is what you call usually aggressive, right?
1: Yeah, he generally is somebody who wants to win at all costs. But, of course, I think most people, if you've learned anything about Mark Cuban over the years, he's he's practical, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. And the yep. Mavericks, in their infinite wisdom to trade for Porzingis years ago, still owe the New York Knicks a top 10 protected first round pick. So... That was the impetus for why the Mavericks chose sure. not to play anybody because they essentially said this it, it's odd think about it the Bulls are gearing up for a play-in tournament meanwhile a team playing in the exact same league is looking at that as nonsense and saying no 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 it is in the better interest of this organization if we can retain our on the fringe you know you know top 10 pick and then potentially try and add some talent in the draft before we have to go ahead and surrender that pick to the Knicks that we owe them. It's, it's following the NBA and with the draft pick trades is insane these days. But what occurred on Friday night at the United Center just goes to show that it is important to understand it because organizations are making decisions based upon what they've done now.
2: And it's really not a good look for any league, you know. When you have a third of the baseball teams actively tanking, and you know, Blackhawks have gone through that, and and you know, when when you have these veterans, you know, how many days or nights do veterans sit in the NBA just because? I mean, it, it's it, it really isn't the ideal if you're the commissioner of the league. But what are you going to do? And you know, you mentioned Mark Cuban and being aggressive is, is when, when I was covering the Bulls. He was actively trying to buy the Cubs from the Tribune and Sam Zell at the time, right? I recall, yes. And it, it, similar to what uh, the world's going through now, maybe it was more severe back then, the financial crisis hit, right? Yep. So it was like 2008, 2009. And we were standing there uh, before a game down in Dallas, and he was willingly talking about what it would take and how much he wanted to be you know, uh, the owner of the Cubs. And he said but things changed because he told Sam Zell now that interest rates and financing were going to be much higher for him that Sam Zell would have to take some of the pain and and you know come down in price because he was going to have to whatever he and his investors were going to have to borrow more money mm-hmm. i think the ricketts end up getting it for what 850 900 million or somewhere in that area and sam zell wasn't playing ball for that and so mark cuban to your point being a pragmatist said i'm out uh, like he does on Shark Tank, right? Sure. Um, he just said, you know, if you, I'm a businessman, if you're not going to willingly play ball with me here, I, I'm going to have to pay X, you know, tens of millions more in interest. And so you have to come down on the price. And Sam Zell said no. And you know Tom Ricketts went to his dad uh, Joe and just said, and Joe Joe Ricketts not a sports fan. And, and he, you know, Tom told me stories like Joe's like, why would I want to own that team? What? And he said because they, they sell out win or lose, Dad. See, now that got Joe's interest. He sure. didn't know a damn thing about I think he, uh, Todd Ricketts one time told me that Joe thought that when they, they win the uh, World Series, he called it the Super Bowl. That's how much he's not a sports <laughs> fan. So
1: And he wasn't so, being I mean, hyperbolic. He was just confused. No, no, no.
2: no he just really doesn't yes. know. And, but he knew enough to cut a check so the kids could own the team, mm-hmm. and they end up winning the World Series. Some called it the Super Bowl. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's, it's amazing because we all see now how these sports franchises uh, increase in value year to year by double sure. digits, even if you stink. Yes. And you've stunk for a long time, Chicago Bulls. So, I, I you know, it, it, it's interesting to see that balance between teams saying, OK, we could be a playoff team. And the Bulls are desperate enough because their goal going into the season was to be at least a second round playoff team. I mean, even that's not much of a goal, but here you are.
1: We're number 10. But the dream is still alive, Brian. That's it. Uh,
2: you you, got to be in it to win it.
1: As they close out the season, and I don't uh, anticipate us seeing a whole lot of uh, real important players play much today for the Bulls. But as they close out the season, uh, to bring it back to Mark Cuban, you mentioned... Um, you know, just the nature of how he at one point said, Hey, let's uh let's share the pain here. He is feeling the pain and this was Cuban on Thursday discussing his superstar Luka Doncic and his frustration.
0: That's the
3: NBA. People are going to get frustrated. The best competitors are frustrated. Dirk when we lost never left the season happy. we didn't always have great chemistry every single season. That's just the nature of the
2: NBA. Players don't talk like that. You know, it's just like, hey, I'm here for the next seventeen years. You know, he'd like to be here the whole time, but we got to earn that. I mean, before Giannis won, everybody's all, "Where's he going? Where's he going? He's not staying. He's not staying." Jokic, well, they have won. You da, da 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 Every single player, you, right? There's just no player, no great player, no superstar where they don't question, "What are you going to do if you haven't won yet?"
1: So he's laying it out there, and I always, I'm always amused how, boy, he is. I don't. I'm not going to say lucky, but fortunate that the Mavs were able to win that title because he can always harken back to the days of Dirk, the good old days for the Mavs. But the reality is it's a different league here, right? I think Dirk proved that back in his heyday, players were still more enamored with the notion of finishing their career out with one team. That clearly, that has not been the case in the NBA no. for over a decade now when yeah. LeBron James set the precedent back in 2010 during his free agency. But... It's interesting to hear him try and, I think, put a positive spin on their poor season so far and how it's completely been derailed immediately after the trade for Kyrie Irving. And Luca. now, you know, there are reports that people inside the Dallas Mavericks organization believe that Luca will demand a trade next summer. Like, he's going to give the team maybe one more year to try and prove that they can actually surround him with the talent he needs to be a contending team, but it's you know thinking back at the short you know the most recent history of the league, it's not often though you start to hear when a player hits that point where they're disgruntled.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, can you really think he'll have the patience? And and what could Mark Cuban and the the Mavs do within one off season to to change their future appreciably to make Luka say, okay, now now we're on the right track.
1: Therein lies the question I'd like to explore. Got a couple of NBA insiders who weighed in on this that we can play for you coming up next. And just how interested should the Bulls be if Luka Doncic becomes available? That, to me, is the primary target. They need to be starting to think about what are we going to do? What assets do we have? How can we line this up? So that if when Luka wants out, we're the landing spot. 312-332-3776. Mellor and Hanley on until 11 o'clock today. Hanging out with you on this Easter Sunday. Come on and join us. Talk some Bulls. We've got Jesse Rogers coming your way at 930. We'll also check in with Kevin Fishbane around 1030. Talk some Bears as well. Right here on ESPN 1000.
0: Listen to us now. Live on the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Pulls
4: by seven in the early going. Here's Doncic. Through the defense. Wow, tough finish yeah. by Luka. i tell you what, he's, he's a lot more athletic than people give him credit for. Yeah. Doncic has yet to take a seat. 11 points, five rebounds, three assists. Working on the rookie, Terry. lets everybody clear up. He's just so patient, man. Superstar players know they're going to get their shot. Speaking a deep freeze. Doncic misses. Powell the rebound. Doncic spots. Goes behind the back. Smooth and smooth lick. is Luka Doncic's bag. He's able to get two on the second chance. And uh, that might be it for Luka Doncic tonight. Yeah, He's shaking, shaking his hand. Like, you know, that might be
1: it for him. Interesting things unfolding at the UC on Friday night as the Bulls hosted the Mavs in a game the Mavs needed to win to stay alive for their play-in and hopes. And that was not to be the case because outside of Luca playing 13 minutes, nobody else of importance was playing for the Mavericks. They had all been short down, shut down. A decision that Jason Kidd termed an organizational one, and which is now apparently, from reports, going to be looked into by the league. So that's an interesting little uh, nugget that was uh, thrown in there as well, and probably. No surprise, I guess, right, Brian? When you think about it,
2: yeah, I mean, it's a bad look. I don't know, you know, what you can you can find them. Okay, what are you going to do? Take a draft pick? I, you know, they're not the only team doing that. I mean, some some going the entire season with that intention, right? Mm-hmm. So just because, as, as Rick Morsey wrote, the headline was uh, "mediocre bulls in the NBA's flimflam play-in tournament are a perfect match." It, I mean, it's it's a contrived way to make. Mediocre or worse teams, uh, interesting to the very end, right? Sure. But, so, what do you do? I mean, what you know? Oh, you should have played your best players to be number ten and get in that playing tournament, and then make some noise. I mean, we get you know, winning isn't the only thing; it's everything. Whatever, that it, it doesn't it doesn't work anymore. In particular, in the NBA, it just doesn't work.
1: Well, and that's because you, I think, at this point, it is clear you need superstar talent if you're Absolutely. going to truly be considered, you know, more than just playoff fodder but an actual playoff contender, you need the superstar talent. And even then, as the Mavericks have proven, you need more than just a superstar, but it begins and ends with having a superstar to build around, as we saw for so many years here during the 90s with the Chicago Bulls dynasty and Luka Doncic right now. There are reports that the Dallas Mavericks are concerned that he could be requesting a trade as soon as the 2024 season. Tim McMahon, ESPN NBA insider, is reporting that. Tim McMahon also said this, The I think this was on Friday, before the game actually took place between the Bulls and Mavericks, but also when everybody knew what the Mavs' plan was. This was Tim McMahon on the NBA today.
4: I'll say this, he's a man of his word. They have a chance. Luka Doncic is playing. The rest of the organization, let's be honest, they're pulling the plug around him. And when I talk to somebody in the organization today, look, there is real risk here. And the biggest risk is that Luka looks around and says, dude, I said we wanted to fight as long as we have a chance. Why why aren't you guys backing me up? Mm. And basically I was told, hey, it is a fine line. But at the end of the day, Luka wants as much talent on the team as possible. The organization is doing what's... They feel is necessary to maximize their odds of being able to put talent around Luka. But again, uh, that's a tough situation. And, you know, look, the other lingering question here, you mentioned Kyrie Irving is out tonight managing that uh, right foot injury. Uh, That will be recovered when he is a free agent this summer. Has Kyrie Irving played the last game for the Dallas Mavericks? We'll see. The Mavericks hope not, but we won't get an answer on that until July.
1: Brian, I think you have to truly reflect. And again, that's Tim McMahon on the NBA today on Friday. I think you truly have to take a deep internal look at yourself and ask, where have I put myself when I'm relying on re-signing Kyrie Irving hey, as the linchpin of my offseason?
2: When, when I'm listening to Tim, I'm, I'm, I'm worn out with the whole Kyrie experience and I get the talent. It's undeniable. Mm-hmm. but. Am I really dependent? You know, saying that he is a pillar, if not, you know, certainly Luke is one. If he's one A to my building a championship team, boy, oh boy! I mean, you talk about something that's a wild card any any night, let alone any season. I, I just I can't imagine. But it, it, you circle back to the Bulls. You need you need what's the rule thumb? You need three All Stars, if not superstars, to to win a championship, right? You need at least two to be in the conversation.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say I think if something if if nothing else what we're seeing is you need perennial all-stars. I'm not Absolutely. talking about not. guys like Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan and, their, yeah. and Vooch who have made all-star appearances in their career, but you have to ask the question, did they do so just because they were putting up some you know they were they were padding the stats on teams that weren't winning. No, you need in addition to Hopefully three All-Stars or All Star Caliber players, you need a superstar in the mix.
2: Absolutely. You need at least one. And and Zach, and I know his defenders are out there, you know, he's a max player. I mean, there's no denying that. And nowhere would he have gotten that money but for the Bulls who had the money and no recourse. And by the way, no one's knocking on the free agent door of the Bulls for last fifteen years. I mean, it's not a destination for free agents. So to your point you have to position yourself to land a guy like Luca through trade. And I don't know what that looks like in terms. I mean, I know what it looks like in terms of what assets you'd have to give up. I don't know. I know the bulls don't owe those assets currently. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't even know where you'd be in that conversation. Well,
1: this
2: is what is not. This is not a destination. I mean, the days where they were going to to Cleveland with half a dozen other teams and putting a, a bullet point presentation on for LeBron and his people. And then, hosting D-Wade at, uh, for dinners and thinking they're going to get both of them. And they end up down in Miami, obviously. I mean, you, you haven't come close to anybody. If ben Wallace was a $60 million free agent uh, signing from the Pistons because, one, the Bulls, were, I was covering that team, they thought they were diminishing the Pistons by getting Ben Wallace, and two, that he was going to thrive here. And it turned out the biggest story with him was whether he could wear a headband or not.
1: <laughs> I recall, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was a a bit of a disaster. And certainly when they ended up landing Ben Wallace, he was at a point in his career where he was no longer as instrumental as he was for the Pistons when they were winning titles. But you're right. I don't know what the deal for Luka Doncic looks like, but this is where I think you need to be proactive. You need to start looking at your roster and saying, what pieces could we put together when Luka inevitably if this things continue to go this way, inevitably ask for that trade. How can we make ourselves as appealing as possible? Now they're in a bit of a trick bag because they still like. Let's at this point, it looks like that first round pick is going to the Magic, and this season that is, of course, like mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm assuming here that. No matter what happens, of course, they still could win the lottery if they get bounced from the play-in tournament and don't make the playoffs. So, But, of course, the chances are going to be very, very slim. That don't they think that way
2: up. because I, I'm planning on being in Atlanta or Miami after the big win in Toronto. Well, and, but so please if, don't push don't my mellow.
1: But if that uh, plays out exactly as you're hoping for, Bry, that's well, exactly that went, the case. Then that, that trade, that pick will go to the Orlando right. Magic in right. the deal that they made for Vooch. So that would actually, though, I think move them in a direction where they could start to look at the possibility of getting assets ready to trade for Luka Doncic because you need to you need to complete that deal so that you have all of your potential assets moving forward so that you can make it appealing because as we've seen the superstar trades that tend to happen now at this point it's four or five future first round picks that is the starting point you know and yeah. you can think you can thank the Minnesota Timberwolves for making the trade for Rudy Gobert for really starting that situation. But of course, it played out with Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns, too. You had, uh, and you're seeing, too, you, the, when you give up a young asset who you're not completely sure what he is, Mikhail Bridges has looked awesome for the Brooklyn Nets. And the Suns are kind of clinging to an aging superstar who they hope can provide them relevance and maybe get hot in the playoffs and, you know, send them on a deep run. But, the starting point is going to be it's going to be like four or five first round picks and then you mean, uh, you one additional on, assets.
2: You couldn't sell on P. Will is uh, you, know, you couldn't dress that one up? You're telling me that's not going to get it done.
1: Listen, if uh, <laughs> I don't think P. Will is going to be the man I, who I, holds I, up the deal for the Bulls. Uh, but I, I, this okay. is I think you have to be having this conversation. If you're Arturus, if you're Mark Eversley, if you're Billy Donovan and you have to be. All right. What can we do? where we're going to be in play because I do think thanks to Michael Jordan and the Bulls dynasty there is still some appeal when you the, the Bulls are a marquee franchise in this league now they don't resonate the way they once did but I do think playing in Chicago you could be you can you can sell it if you do it right and I think this is where this is the, the mind frame they need to be in now I don't believe that they are the bulls front office i don't believe they're thinking this way at all but i think they need to start because oh, they
2: need, i mean they better be thinking that way but are I mean, they,
1: right what we've seen have they proven anything more than they no. just have you know designs but on it, the play in it, tournament and nothing else at this
2: point not Luca, lucas and shohei but i mean if you're in this market a baseball basketball hockey whatever if you can get a generational and, and i'm Oh, maybe Oversell and Luke have been made not much. But, I mean, a, a, a difference maker, a generational talent, you mm-hmm. better be in that conversation. You might, I don't think if I look at your roster, and, and I don't know how many first-round picks, you give them 10 first-round picks, it might not be enough because you don't have any other assets, right? I and mean, look at this roster. Who are you trading that would be of interest to, to Dallas, really? If they, if they have designs on, on winning a championship, and, even... And,
1: and here's the conundrum. I started thinking about this the other day. And I started thinking, OK, well, you know, Zach Levine, there's a starting point along with a bunch of first round yeah. picks. But the reality is that and, and this is the trick bag, right? If you want to obtain Luka Doncic, you probably want to try and do your do whatever you can to retain Zach Levine as well, because you don't want to just bring Luka in here and have nothing surrounding him. And that's probably not too appealing to Luka either. Right. Well, so it, so it, it's, it's, a, it's a situation where. You almost need to try and hold on to Zach if you're thinking, okay, can we trade for Luca?
2: Well, if I'm if I'm the Dallas Mavericks, I might be looking at Zach's contract and like, why would I want that for that player? Why would I be paying him max money for that player? I mean, every time the last couple of years, the players have their their peer poll, right? Where they yes. ev- and I believe he's always uh, somewhere between twenty and thirty, and and not between five and ten. So, And that's how his peers view him, right? He isn't a difference maker. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know that you might want to keep him because, you know, you think, yeah, I mean, obviously you're paying him, like there's another level for him to get to at least. But if I'm uh, the Dallas Mavericks, I might be looking at him like, okay, we'll try again. I, I don't need that player for that kind of money um, with some injury history and, and whatever. I, I don't know that that gets me closer to where I want to go when I'm giving you the guy. Uh, one of the guys, sure. one of the top guys.
5: There was there was interest this past trade deadline. I think the Mavs were looking at Levine and seeing what they could get. They done. were because they wanted to p- pair him to with Luka. exactly Luka. to pair him right. with Luca. Right, but at the same, but
2: that's 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 keeping you know trying to keep Luca happy. And look, Zach is he's a complimentary piece on a team that can contend for a championship. And you know, for years we've been saying how good is Zach Levine? We can't tell because he's been on crap teams, right? <laughs> well. and, but DeMar DeRozan's the guy. I mean, here, do you need any more evidence to that effect? And he, I mean, even at his age, he's still the guy who puts on the Superman uh, Superman cape on occasion. And when the team does get, you know, get hot for a little bit, he's the guy leading the way.
1: So. no, no, it's it's a great point, Brian, and and uh, the other voice, of course, is Jake Cantu, who is a Dallas Mavericks fan, so it was a perfect day, and, and yeah. so what are your thoughts, Jake, as we break this down, we're going to uh, break here momentarily and bring in Jesse Rogers to talk some baseball, but what are your thoughts as a Mavericks fan listening to us Chicago yokels talk about the Bulls going after your superstar?
5: First of all, it's fun, and I didn't think we'd be at this point uh, a year into a second contract um, now, but I, I look at it and there is kind of a point in this, I guess, era of NBA that this isn't inevitable, ev- And y- y- y'all have been talking about it, right, where we see a superstar like this. We've seen it many times in the previous years of, of stars. Heck, the, the Mavericks got one of them uh, from the Nets and Kyrie Irving, right? Mm-hmm. But you look at it, if this is the road we're going to go down, and I don't – I'm just – I want to stay in the middle because the Mavericks haven't done Luca justice, one, and two – Luka, he's given it all in the playoffs. He's done everything in the playoffs for them. But at the same time, too, we've seen Luka cry to the refs. He has some issues. I just think the baseline is if you're going to trade him away, six first-round picks at the minimum.
1: <laughs> uh, scale of one to ten, Jake, as a Mavericks fan, how concerned are you right now about Luka Doncic? Uh,
5: I'm again. I'm trying to stay in the middle, so like out of five. All right. Right. out of 5. We'll see where they're going to do in this off season. Like you just can't sign Javel McGee again and like a, a type of player like that in the off season and say it's a done deal. They got to make some moves. They see let's see what they do with the 10th pick. Uh, if they trade that away or if they do use that. But um I'm I'm holding I'm in a holding pattern right now. I'm fine. I'm not fuming. Let's see where this goes in the summer.
1: Calm, cool, and collected. We'll, we'll have to make this a, a, a running theme, Brian, where we check in with uh, Jake Cantu's fear level about his superstar in, in, uh, in Dallas. 312-332-3776. If you want to talk a little bit of Bulls, we'll get back to that in a little bit. Up next, though, Jesse Rogers gets us up to date on the Chicago baseball scene a little over weekend right here on ESPN 1000.
0: This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000.
1: Good news for all the folks out there. It is beginning to be a sunny Easter Sunday. Catching a mean glare here inside The old National Bank studio right now trying to squint through the blinding sun in the studio. I'm Jeff Meller along with Brian Hanley as we're hanging out with you until 11 o'clock today. Been breaking down a little bit of Bulls talk here early on. A good chance, though, to turn our attention to the two baseball teams in the city. couple wins yesterday, both the Sox and Cubs. Beat the Pirates and Rangers yesterday, and so that was a good Saturday for both fan bases. Let's uh, check in with Jesse Rogers now here on ESPN 1000. Jess, where would you like to start, with the Sox or the Cubs? You covered the Cubs yesterday, so it's probably a better spot.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was a really nice win. And offensively, they're just starting to profile what we sort of expected. High contact, low strikeout, not necessarily a home run hitting team but finding the holes, using the elimination of the shift, especially for their lefties to their advantage. Their batting average on balls in play is 340. That ranks fifth in all of baseball. Um, now, their hard-hit percentage is a little bit lower than that, which you know sometimes it, it corresponds, sometimes it doesn't. If you're hitting the ball hard, it, they, they should go through. So that number is going to come down. The batting average on balls in play is going to come down. But the point is they're making contact, and, and their offense sort of profiles for this, and it's working out. And I think they're also taking advantage of teams uh, that are like the Rangers and maybe the Mariners and Padres and Dodgers that are going to be coming here in April. I've, I've said this all week. This is the time to take care of them when they're not used to playing outdoors. Even even if it's fifty today, you know it's it's not it's not great for the Rangers. And and uh, you know the Mariners are going to get a lot warmer. So you kind of like what the Cubs are doing offensively, and that was kind of the question mark coming into the season.
2: And Jess, we talked about it throughout last season, both sides of town, but in Southside in particular, because they were relevant or we thought they were going to be, you're going to have to hit home runs to to be a contending team. But that said, uh, the Cubs come into the yesterday last uh, in home runs, and I know David Ross is talking about gap to gap. I, I'm impressed. Both sides of town, two out hits, two strike hits. Um, you know, smart base running. I mean, and, and uh, the White Sox have stolen they're perfect 12 for 12 stealing bases, but going first to third uh, it's, it, you know, it's fun to watch and it's, it's good baseball, right? I mean, guys are coming through when the odds are against them.
3: I mean, look what Swanson did in a blowout game. He takes the extra base uh, going home on that, on that play where they threw it in lazily to, to, to the infield from center field there. So yeah. You're right, and and I, I like everything the Sox are doing other than three starts, right? right? The three bad starts. After that, it's been good baseball. It was good baseball in Houston. It was good baseball yesterday. Clevenger's actually looked better than I thought he would early on. I thought that might take some time. Gave up a little bit yesterday, but if you combine his two starts, pretty good, and you're right, 12 for 12 in stolen bases. They're getting contributions from guys you weren't sure of, starting with Luis Robert, who's played – Better if you combine his offense and defense, it's like the mm. best week of baseball out of Luis Robert yep. in a long, long time. So, a lot of good things about the White Sox, other than those three starts, and you know, that's still the most important part of your team. So, if three out of every five starts are bad, they're going to be in big trouble, but you'd expect some rebound from some of these guys. Kopech today will be interesting to watch after his last start.
1: Yeah, yeah. Jesse Sunshine over here tell me that uh, the Sox <laughs> look good aside from those three games where they got their heads bashed in.
2: Well, Chris, Chris Camp, uh, Mr. Sox Stats tweeted out uh, through before yesterday's game through uh, eight games the Sox had allowed. 61 runs, and the last time they did that, they were a 95-win team in 2000. So I tweeted back, don't stop now, boys. <laughs>
3: exactly, exactly. There are a couple things. I mentioned batting average on balls in play for the Cubs. Well, the White Sox ranked first in baseball. Their balls are getting 355 batting average on balls in play. That's going to come down. Um, in fact, their hard hit rate is below league average. So they are getting some fortunate you know, bounces and balls falling in and whatever the case may be. It doesn't matter. It looks like a good offense, and I mentioned this the other day with Waddle. Um, the loss of Eloy can be withstood a lot better this year because Jake Berger and Gavin Sheets are that much more advanced. You combine those two, you can get some decent production, and they're both off to good start. So you got to give them credit for developing those two hitters and having a little depth with Eloy out
4: again. Now-
1: it's, 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 yeah, the offense really, uh, not so much in question, but of course, every fifth day, can the White Sox stay competitive? Of course, if Michael Kopek is going to do anything close to what he did in his first start, that's going to be troublesome. So, what's the expectation today in Pittsburgh as Kopech's on the mound against the Pirates team, where even though the Pirates are off to a decent start, uh, Johan Oviedo, Oviedo, uh, is the other, the opposition. So, there's an opportunity for the Sox to take the series here as long as Michael Kopech can give them a solid performance. What do you think, Jess? Uh, yeah. was, was the first start just an aberration or, or should Sox fans be concerned about Kopech?
3: I think it's early to be concerned. You have to remember, he was a little bit behind in spring training coming off the knee injury. So let's pretend like that was the last spring start. You know, if you Mm -hmm. want to play those mind games, we can. I think a lot of people that dive into the numbers want to see a fastball with a little bit more zip or just straight-out velocity. Velocity, not philosophy, but velocity. Um, I'm more in the zip category. Like, it needs some finish to it. Um, He's thrown... In previous years, he's thrown that fastball on an average of, like, 97, okay? But in other years, it's been 94, 95, 96. Yes, those mile-per-hour differences can make a difference, but if it's got some finish, if it's got some movement, you're fine with 94, 95. You can get away with that as a starter, but I didn't see that in his last start. I didn't see that finish, and I certainly didn't see any movement. It was straight. It was belt-high sometimes. It was even, you know, letter-high sometimes. But guys can get around a 95-letter high without movement or without any sort of deception. So uh, that's what I'm looking for, something more out of his fastball, whether it be more velocity, more zip at the end, more movement, something like that, so guys aren't teeing off on him. I don't know if he was tipping pitches or anything like that. I just think his pitches were flat and getting hammered. These are major league hitters, and they will hit 95 straight. That is the difference. If you can throw a hundred straight, you can get away with it. Sometimes mm-hmm. he's not throwing that, so at ninety-five, you got to be a little bit more deceptive with with how you throw it, where you throw it, and all that jazz.
2: Interesting week for David Ross. I mean, Jed Hoyer said he's a rock star manager and and has you know given him a contract that he's going to be here a long time. And I like, you know, love David Ross, but he had uh, he channeled his inner Tony La Russa from last season with some of the decisions he was making this week. Both sides of town, uh, you know, Pedro's uh, Grafal said he was going to be a different type of manager and accountability and, I think, more discipline. Um, what, what do you see in the dugout from the north and south side so far?
3: Let's start with the south side. I mean, I have not seen this guy crack a smile in front of me. Now, I don't cover it every day like the beat guys on the road, and I'm sort of half kidding. I mean, I probably have seen, but he is a serious dude, and I think it is in part his personality I think it's in part also he knew what went on here last year and he needs to lock things down right away you know from the accountability standpoint from the focus standpoint let's err on the side of being a little bit too serious right off the bat hopefully they get off to a good start and things just kind of you know roll from there and maybe 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 he needs to back off sometime maybe he doesn't need to back off because I'm sure behind closed doors and they've said it players have said it you see both sides of Pedro Graffal but I think Sox observers would all agree there's nothing wrong with a serious side to their manager um, after what went on last year. Not that Tony wasn't serious. He just let the inmates run the asylum almost literally on the basis They were running like they were crazy. And they just, it just was not a disciplined club. So sometimes when you don't get it one year, you go the other way the other year, at least to start the season. So I pretty much liked everything I've seen out of Grafal. He's an aggressive manager. He pinch hit for Jake Berger in the fourth inning the other day for Gavin, with Gavin Sheets getting the matchup that he wanted. So look, he's he's certainly putting his mark on this team, um, and I, I like what I've seen so far. Can't can't do anything about those three bad starts. That's not necessary. That's not on Grafal unless he just didn't have them prepared in spring training. But those start those starts are on those starters. On the other side, I agree with you, Brian. That was a Tony La esque one one-and-two intentional walk move when he bunted Patrick Wisdom with a 3-1 count. I almost would say it was equally puzzling. Um, Did not understand that at all for many reasons, so uh, no reason to go down that rabbit hole, but I think we all understand why that was confusing. But other than that, I think he's doing well inside that clubhouse, just like Rafal is establishing or trying to establish a winning culture coming out of this mini-rebuild um, for the most part, pulling the right you know, triggers in terms of the right levers, I guess I should say, in terms of bullpen usage and stuff like that. Every manager is going to make their mistakes. But I don't see any problem with David Ross any more or less than I did a year ago or a year before that. I think he's a solid manager um, without as much pressure on him right now, but it certainly will grow as, as this team grows.
1: Jess, uh, Jameson Tyon gets his second start for the Cubs today. Now, his first one wasn't terrible, but it certainly wasn't as, uh, good as he probably had hoped. He went four innings, gave up three runs against the Brewers last Sunday. Um, I really liked the move when the Cubs signed him. He's 31 years old. He was a highly drafted player, but he had some injury issues, had Tommy John. Now, a couple years removed, he, uh, he put up a uh, 177 innings for the Yankees last year and an, a sub for ERA. I kind of liked when they went out and made him a priority. What do you think, based on your conversations with some of the people in the Cubs organization, what do you think is the ceiling for Jameson Tyon?
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go more with people outside the organization okay. because inside, you know, they're going to get the rosier picture. When they signed him and even in spring training, whenever I talked to people about him, it was he's solid, he'll be great. He's a three, you know, that's Mm -hmm. it, which is fine, right? I mean, you You need a three. You need a three. three. They don't grow on trees. But, um, and and for a moment there, you know, I think we think of him as a two, but Justin Steele could be a two the way he's pitching. So, you know, Strowman is pitching like a one. We don't think of him as a one. Steele is pitching like a two. We don't necessarily think of him as a two just yet. So that's where Tyon fits in right now as that three. It's a contact guy in a season that they've eliminated the shift. So if you watch last game, there was a lot of hits. A lot of balls that fall, fell in. Some were soft contact. Some were hard contact. But he's going to have to strike out a few guys here and there in big moments. right? It can't just be about contact. His balls are getting through a little bit more these days, though he has the right defense behind him. So I think I think he's you know, 310, 312, 315 ERA kind of guy. If, if things are going well, if things are going bad, it's closer to 4. If things are going great, it's a little bit under 3. But I, I think that's what he's going to be, a solid 3. And last start was okay. But, yeah, you'd like him to go six and and get that win this time around and and, and get his first Cubs win.
2: Great stuff, Jess, as always. We appreciate it. All right, guys, enjoy the day. It's a beautiful one.
1: Absolutely, Jesse. Jesse Rogers talking baseball with us here as he covers Major League Baseball for ESPN and for us here at ESPN 1000. Don't forget, you can always watch us live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. You can also, new addition, you can watch us on YouTube live on the ESPN Chicago channel. So check us out that way as well. And as always, you can listen to us on the ESPN Chicago app. All right, Bri, I have to ask the question up next. Is it finally the end of an era? We'll talk about it next year on ESPN 1000.
0: If you miss something, get the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports.
1: Ryan Hanley with you on ESPN 1000 until 11 o'clock today. Got word early this morning via his social media platforms. Tiger Woods officially withdraws from the masters posted on Twitter. I am disappointed to have to withdraw this morning due to reaggravating my plantar fasciitis. Thank you to the fans and to the masters who have shown me so much love and support. Good luck to the players today. A little bit of a, uh, interrupted masters due to weather of course as they sojourn on to complete the third round today and try and wrap things up before darkness today so they don't have to push into monday it would be the first time since 1983 if they have to conclude the masters on a monday but um they're going to be up against it Bry as uh as uh they still have plenty of golfers to go to complete the third rounds. Uh, right now Brooks Kepka is still your leader. He is twelve under John Rahm minus ten, Victor Hovlin minus eight, and Victor Cantlay is minus six as uh Cantley has completed his third round, but both Koepka, uh, all three of Kepka Rahm and Hovlin still have the third and fourth round to go here, but uh, Tiger Woods officially withdrawing from the Masters. Um, he was in some ways fortunate to even make the cut because of the performance he put on yesterday, and just a, a bad, bad uh, rainstorm yesterday. But uh, is it that finally was, is it
2: finally over for Tiger? Bry, watching that yesterday, and he backed into making the cut, but he, it was his 23rd consecutive cut at the Masters, so he ties Freddie Couples and, and Gary Player on the all-time Masters list, never missing the cut. But he did back in. Justin Thomas and uh, Sanjay Im imploded in their final couple of holes. And it, you know before they did uh, finish up the way they did, those two golfers, it looked like Tiger was just going to miss the cut because of, like you said, his rough round. Yep. And watching the Volkan's face, I was thinking to myself, watching him think, I'm all, I wonder if he's almost relieved. Not that he, he's not the competitor that he always has been.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: But it just looked like, I, I was thinking... Maybe he he doesn't want to persevere and have to go through another you know couple rounds in one day or two days whatever it is because it looked like he was just struggling. Um, and that said, I before the tournament started, I'd open up my FanDuel app uh, there, Danny Zetterman, and bet a Masters special where Tiger makes the cut and Jason Day has to finish in the top twenty. And now, you know, I thought the bet was done because I thought Tiger wasn't going to make the cut. Now, Jason Day gave back four strokes in the last four holes yesterday, and he's going to make it interesting for me today. But wagering aside, Mm -hmm. it's just, I just don't know. I mean, you're you're seeing Tiger spray drives and fly uh, greens, and the putter is just not dependable, and then the conditions... Physically, I just don't know how much she has left. And I know he wants to continue to at least get play the majors and all that, but he sure looks like whatever the heart wants to do. The body just is well, not agreeable.
1: Yeah. The, the, the legs, you just have to, I yeah. think the, you know, if you look at it from a practical standpoint, sure. He can put to, you know, uh, the occasional uh, performance on for one round, but you know, for 72 holes, that's where you say, I, I don't know if he's capable of actually putting together four straight days, of you know that prime performance, it would seem unrealistic you know, you know to believe he could do that. So um, yeah, it was uh, it was just watching. It, it's sad you know to watch yeah. the end for a legend, and it truly did kind of feel like that yesterday, standing in the pouring rain at Augusta. He's barely like hobbling around,
5: yes, and it's very painful to watch. Sometimes. Yeah, the
2: look on his face, the grimacing, and you know he doesn't he doesn't want to be you know yeah, sitting like- there. T- making trying to make a 16 footer to make the cut and he didn't and then he does make the cut because two other guys can't get their game together in those horrific conditions and um yeah it's 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 tough but that said and and you know golf has kind of moved on anyway without Tiger. that's a pretty good leaderboard yes and the young guns uh bring it pretty much event to event and uh major to major it's still it's i mean he set the tone and all these kids grew up watching him and inspiring you know, inspiring them so he, you know he, he's a big part of of guys from all around the world uh being on this stage uh currently
1: let's be honest though i mean selfishly as viewers we don't tune into the masters to watch just dismal rainy conditions no. and, and and uh Tiger limping around like he's Willis Willis Reed on the golf course, right? Like yeah. like it's just that's not why we're watching the Masters, of course. Nothing you can do about it, but uh just uh, a tough watch yesterday for anybody who has enjoyed Tiger Woods's career for as long as he's been so dominant throughout the sport. Uh one though positive note, uh, it just it always uh, the Masters and Freddie Couples bry uh the oldest man to make the cut at 63 yesterday yet again freddie couples i always love just tuning on the masters thursday and friday knowing that freddie couples is going to give me a couple good rounds right just to uh to make things interesting make me feel young again he'll make you feel young again
2: seriously i mean he he didn't back into anything he earned it and uh, it you know if you're if you you know like the old time golf and and got you know old, old-time names you'd love to see them have a, a their day in the i'd say sun but that's not been the case but you know, who doesn't like freddie couples right of course not
1: uh he's hanley i'm meller up next we will uh move to some bears talk uh, some interesting articles put out this week by uh, several different people thought uh are we starting to get concerned a little bit about ryan poles i'll explain why i am in two short minutes